Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. I've been involved in planning for the public health informed fall semester by uh, being asked to lead the coordinating committee on instructional planning. I've had this great committee of faculty and staff um, and another dean from across campus helping me and helping our campus really think about what are the best ways forward in terms of the fall. So we were asked to make recommendations about whether to even attempt to have a hybrid semester where we would have some in-person instruction, some remote instruction, and then many courses that would be a combination of the two. And ultimately, we decided that it was a good idea to do that, but it was going to take a lot of work. And so now we're in the process of actually trying to develop scenarios to help people think about their instruction. I want to emphasize that this is going to be very hard work. It's going to be challenging. Um, it will be rewarding. At the same time, I'm already learning you know, a whole new set of tools and different kinds of practices. And I think in some ways, the way we have to think um, when we're doing the simultaneous work, the hybrid work, the way we have to think about two populations, one that's in the room with me and the other that's you know, in, in their homes and experiencing this remotely, I think that will actually draw more of our attention to what it means to teach and learn. And I think we will start to think through differently as a faculty across the university about our teaching. So I think there's a lot to be gained here, a lot to be learned about what can be done well remotely and about what can't be and why we matter so much as a residential institution, there are lots of things we can do remotely, but that being together and the kinds of engagements that we can have when we're face-to-face can't be captured through Zoom, um, as, as wonderful a platform as Zoom is. Um, so I think we're going to be able to document those differences and actually come out better on the other side of this pandemic whenever that whenever we may see another side. So I would emphasize that and emphasize that as challenging as it is, it's work we have to do for the sake of our students, for the sake of our institution. And I think we can benefit from it in the long run. Uh, We've set up our room, as you can see here, um, all of our classrooms so that they're, you know, the tables are already distanced. The chairs are in the middle of those tables. We're not used to doing that in our school of education. We tend to have um, groups, you know, small group discussions. We'll have circular arrangements or U-shaped arrangements so people can see each other. So that's going to be a challenge for all of us, I think, uh, as we think about instruction in very different ways. Another challenge we're going to all face when we do hybrid teaching is how we develop the opportunities for people in person and the opportunities for people who are remote. And some people will be remote and living in a completely different place. Other people will be remote living here in Ann Arbor. And what that means is we can do some simultaneous work where we actually have the remote students interacting with the in-person students during the regular class meeting. But as you can imagine, 
if someone is living in another country with a 12 hour time difference, that won't work very well if our classes are from two to three thirty. That's just not going to work for someone living in China, for example. So we're going to have to come up with some asynchronous opportunities for people. We have to do some that are synchronous and hybrid. We have to do some that are completely remote all the time. We have to develop opportunities that are in person because we will have the possibility for classes under 10 to, you know, bring people together. And of course, that will feel like this incredible luxury when we have this opportunity to just be with the people who are in the room, even if we have to be six feet apart, even if we have to be wearing masks. It'll feel great. And I know I'm looking forward to, to some of those classes. I think people who are really anxious about the pandemic feel anxious about coming back into the space. And we've developed a, a protocol for people to ask for accommodations. There are plenty of opportunities for people to do remote teaching. And there are plenty of opportunities for those people who do feel comfortable coming back into the classroom in person. I was really pleased uh, when we did the test run on Tuesday that I felt very comfortable. I felt very safe. I had my, you know, place where I was sitting, which is unusual for me as a, as a teacher. I tend to move around the space. So that was a little odd, but it did ensure my safety. And I felt like all of the students, our, our sort of mock students in the trial, felt safe as well. Nobody, I think, felt like they were at risk of, you know, somebody seizing on them or coughing or touching them. So I think the, the safety procedures that we put in place are going to help people feel much more comfortable. We'll have, um, you know, wipes or cleaning materials that allow us to clean our spaces, just like we do in a, you know, in a public health club. When you go in, you wipe down your equipment and you wipe it down before you leave. We'll have hand sanitizer. Everybody will be wearing masks. And we're, we're very clear. We have a new mask policy. So you have to wear a mask. There's no exceptions. Um, and I think, I think that people will start to feel more comfortable with that. Again, depending on the trajectory of the virus. But we've been very clear. President Schlissel has been very clear that, you know, we're going to be monitoring that trajectory. And if, it is not looking good, then we will adapt. Of course, we have to be incredibly thoughtful about distancing. And I think that's very hard for us to do as humans. You know, when we see someone we haven't seen in a long time, we naturally want to embrace them or shake hands. We can't do that. So that's going to be, you know, we're, we're creating a new uh, set of norms that we're going to have to be really respectful of. I think we have to make sure we always have our PPE, right? We've got to carry it with us. Uh, I've started hanging masks on doorknobs in my house, so I don't accidentally leave without a mask. I've got them in my car. I've got them in my briefcase. And I think we want to encourage everyone to start developing those practices as well. We really want to make sure our students are not congregating this is absolutely critical that they really need to understand as much as they want to be together. This is not the time for large parties, especially unmasked. Uh, they can be together in groups outside. 
Uh, the governor now has asked us all to wear masks outside, even if we're in groups. They can go for runs, you know, without a mask, as long as they're maintaining distance. They can connect with each other over social media, but they really should not be partying. That's, uh, I think, a number one uh, recommendation, a caution. It's nice to connect. And I think we should take advantage of that as long as we maintain social distance. Or, I'm sorry, I don't actually like the phrase social distance, so I prefer to say physical distance, but be socially engaged. Uh, we, of course, work very closely with our K-12 partners. We do a lot of clinical uh, placements uh, for our uh, intending teachers. So we've been in contact ever since everybody had to shut down. I've talked to superintendents about what their plans are, what are the pros and cons of different kinds of planning, um, how can we learn together, what can we do to support each other. They are um, at this point planning to accept our student teachers and our interns back into the field as long as they um, do go forward. A, a number of places are still deciding, um, but most are leaning toward some sort of in-person experience, assuming that the virus trajectory is still, you know, safe. Teachers are going to be facing um, students who have been out of school for a long time. And school, you know, in addition to being a learning space, it's a socialization space, right? So, very young children in particular who had started to learn, you know, how to engage with others in, um, you know, thoughtful ways and, and to focus on learning may have lost some of those norms and practices because they've been home for so long. Um, older students may be experiencing some depression, some anxiety because they haven't been able to be with their friends. So teachers are going to really be looking for the kinds of um, trauma that children may have experienced. Some may have experienced um, deaths due to COVID. And they, the teachers are going to have to really be able to respond to that anxiety, to that stress, to that trauma before they can expect children to be learning, you know, reading or science or algebra, right? Like we've got to help our teachers can learn how to do that work, which is new work, very different. Um, we also are helping teachers learn how to do online instruction. So just as we're practicing in these test runs, we're working with teachers to think about strategies for online instruction that can be more powerful than what we all experienced in the winter, trying to make it a more robust experience. And working with school leaders, so one of our faculty members, Dr. Liz Cole, is, has developed a, a set of modules for school leaders to help them help teachers, because it's not just up to the individual teacher. So we're doing a lot of different things around professional development to try to be supportive. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.